Leviticus chapter 8. I really should have called this message the consecration of the priesthood. Because as in as as in all of this, as in all of the law, in some way or another, it's it's relative uh, figuratively uh, to the church and to the service that's in the church, especially the first ten chapters of Leviticus are set forth like a, a worship manual. We should recall when we went through Exodus that these instructions were given uh, just after they came out of Egypt. So God separate called and separated his people, then gave them instructions on, on how to worship. So this, this deals with worship, but in so many ways, figuratively, it deals with, with you and me. So we extract what we can from passages like this part of Leviticus and take note of the mind of God regarding worship and his people regarding worship. So the consecration of the priesthood, Aaron and his sons, first of all, they were, they were clothed upon. Let's consider then, beginning in uh, verse 1, and I would say that before they were clothed upon, they were called into the priesthood. They didn't choose this. They were called into it. The people didn't collectively decide that this is who they wanted. God Almighty appointed them into the priesthood. So, take, uh, Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments. I'll get to it a little later as we get to that part, but they were not only called, but we see here, they were clothed upon. They could not select their clothing for serving Yahweh as priesthood. Yahweh would uh, appoint the, the, the vestitures. He would appoint the clothing, the garments of, of the priesthood. So Aaron, take Aaron and his sons a calling. Garments, anointing oil, sin offering bull, two rams, the basket of unleavened bread. So there was an there was an order of worship, appointment, and consecration dealing with the priesthood, and all of these things were defined and designed by God. This is not something that, hey, let's do this. Well, I think it'd be nice to do this. No, this is all of God. And assemble the entire community. This was a public thing. To serve God in the priesthood involved public calling, 
public service. So the entire, now that we're looking at two and a half, three million people, then maybe they were representatives, but the entire community, the congregation, were to assemble at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Moses did as Yahweh had commanded him and the community assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Here's the design of God. And if you read the Old Testament completely, you will note that it was the design of God that the priesthood ultimately would reach out through the entire congregation so that the entire congregation of Israel could serve the world as priests of God. That is, they were to represent and proclaim the true and living God to the rest of the world. They were God's people. Deposited within their lives was the truth of his word and the reality of his call and the substance of his salvation. So these were things that nobody else can declare to the world but the people of God. It starts with this Levitical pre Of course, by the time you get to the Old Testament, what you see is miserable failure because of self-righteousness and because of idolatry and other things. We keep this in mind because we learn in 1 Peter, for example, that the priesthood within the church belongs to all believers. There is one high priest and the high priest in Exodus and uh, in a sense uh, here in, in Leviticus, the high priest is separated from the rest of the priesthood. Talk about that more as we go along. Here, Moses did as Yahweh had commanded. So they all assembled. Moses said to the congregation, to the community, this is the thing Yahweh has commanded to do. Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and bathed them in water. Now this was a ceremonial cleansing, but it was also to note that something has, has occurred by the direction of God that has cleansed his servants. God lets the people know publicly that God regards his servants as cleansed. Now, they will have their faults they will have even those among their number who will blatantly disobey. We're going to see about that in Leviticus 10, the strange fire. But it is God who declares that when I see them, because I have called them and because I have directed the events, I regard them as having been cleansed. Then there was the clothing. He placed the tunic upon Aaron, girded him with the sash. Now this is the high priestly garment. He, he is clo he, his clothing is different. When you get to the New Testament, the high priest, who is our Christ, described in both Hebrews, other places, but specifically in Hebrews, what, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, specifically noted as the high priest who is of the order of Melchizedek. And 
as our high priest, he is gloriously clothed and that is seen in the Revelation in chapter four. Well, it's seen in the Revelation one, but also again in chapter four. He placed the tunic upon Aaron, girded him with a sash, clothed him with the robe, placed the ephod upon him, girded him with the band of the ephod and adorned him with it. There is a special designation of all that attends to the high priest. And these garments, these, these, these things that are seen here as part of Aaron's clothing are represented. We talked about this in the book when we went through the book of Exodus. So I, I won't preach the same sermon all over again. I'm sure we'll all recall exactly what was said during our time in Exodus. But it all has a meaning. And he placed a cousin, the, the, the breastplate, upon him. He inserted into the breastplate the Urim and the Tumim. We don't really know much about the, just what we read in the Old Testament, the, the few brief times that it's referenced. It has to do with discerning the will of God, God's people discerning the will of God through the Urim and the Tumim. He placed the cap, the turban on Aaron's head. He placed on the cap towards his face, the golden show plate, the holy crown as Yahweh had commanded Moses. We also read that there is designated clothing for the priesthood in general. In other words, they could not design their own clothing. They had to be clothed upon by the direction and according to the instruction of Yahweh. Now we, we fast forward into the New Testament era. Christ is our high priest. He is God and he is man. He laid aside his deity, he became our savior. The, this particular glory that is his was, was uh, he was enswathed with it again in his ascension. And he is our high priest and only he can do for us what must be done for us when the accuser comes and makes his accusations. But he also has a priesthood who are clothed upon by the design of God, by the instruction of God. We are clothed upon in a way, and of course the linen, the white linen, all that spoke of purity and holiness. These are things that we have to be clothed upon with. We don't just naturally and normally possess those things. God has to give them to us. So we're clothed upon with the righteousness of Christ. And we are to understand that because of Christ in the sight of Almighty God, we have been cleansed and God, we are washed by the water of the word. The Holy Spirit washes us and the Son of God clothes us. And this prepares us for the service that is ours to reveal God to the world, to reveal God to people. This is how it started out. This is the, the great figure, the, the symbolism the, the imagery, the, the foreshadowing of, of what Christ and his own 
do for the world, namely, reveal the truth of God, the sinfulness of man, our need for a sacrifice, a pure sacrifice, that we might be cleansed. We can't even, we can't even consecrate ourselves to service apart from the way God says to do it as in the Old Testament, which was namely the burnt offering. And all of those things are included here. So Yahweh had commanded Moses all these things. These didn't come from the mind of man. This is God's design. And all of these things mean something to you and me today by, by foreshadowings and, and, uh, and, and figuratively speaking. Then the priests were consecrated. Moses took the anointing oil to anoint in the Bible is to express a separation by divine will. Of course, the anointing oil represents the Holy Spirit. And to anoint is to announce and proclaim this person is holy, set apart, divinely placed into a distinction that is particularly and peculiarly his by the will of God. Not by the will of the one who is being anointed, but by the will of God. God does this. Moses took the anointing oil, anointed the sanctuary and everything in it and sanctified them. So the place where they serve is a place that has been designated by God. This is something that sometimes we fail to seize upon in the New Testament. The only way we can serve God is to understand that God has equipped us to serve him. God divinely provides the resources that we need, the spiritual gifts that are required to serve him and then he appoints us to the place where we serve him. And that place, when we serve him, wherever we're serving him, in whatever way we may be serving him, we're to see that place as a holy thing. God has separated this. He's put this apart from everything else. And this is where he intends for me to serve. So this is, <coughs> excuse me, this is what is represented here with regard to anointing the sanctuary and everything in it so that it was all sanctified, set apart. The priesthood of believers, every believer can present God to man. An unbeliever can't do that, but a believer can. And Wherever this believer and however, in whatever capacity this believer may serve, he is in that capacity and in that place, wherever it is, because God has sanctified it. He has set this apart for me that I might serve him here and in this place. And he sprinkled from it upon the altar seven times. He anointed the altar and all the vessels, washstand, base, sanctify them. And he poured some of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and he anointed him to sanctify him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons forward, clothed them, now here we go, with tunics, 
girded them with sashes and bound them up with high turbans, hats, as Yahweh had commanded Moses. So they are, they are clothed upon for their particular service. There's the high priest who is the only one who can go into the immediate presence of God, the Holy of Holies. The rest of the priesthood couldn't do that. Only the great high priest could go into the presence of God personally. Only he, by the design of God. Now you go to that, you go, you, now you move over into the New Testament. None other but Christ, the virgin-born Savior, was so uniquely qualified by the will, design, and purpose of God and by the power of God to go immediately into the presence of God that is to say, not only as the priest, but as the sacrifice, the one who offers the sacrifice and the sacrifice itself. Only Christ, none other. And then only Christ at the right hand of the majesty, especially presently, to intercede for us as our high priest. But then there's the priesthood. Christ has his, he calls us into all of us. He doesn't, he calls me into one thing and everybody else into something else. And we are thus separated and sanctified by the will of God, the power of God to do what God has called us to do. Now the world or even the church may think of it as something small or something great. But there is really no such thing as as little or great or whatever, if the service, the desire, the call, the unction to serve in a particular way, at a particular place, in a particular time, if, if it, it comes from God, can't come from anywhere else, it doesn't matter what it is. Some, you know, some may think that, oh, this is a great service, and some may think, oh, he's, he's serving God in such a humble way. It's not the way. You serve God completely. Regardless of what it is, you serve him completely. And one is the same as the other. To whom much is given, much shall be required. That's up to God. That's not up to us. Well, then come the confession and sacrifices for the priesthood. Let's look at it. He brought the sin offering. The sin offering bull close. And Aaron and his sons leaned their hands forcefully upon the hand of the sin offering bull. You and I, in order to be saved, had to feel the conviction of sin and were compelled from within to confess sin. I'm a sinner. Well, this is the way it starts with these priests. And he slaughtered it. Moses took the blood, placed it on the horns of the altar and around with his finger and purified the altar. So it's a, it's a sin offering that is also an offering of purification. And he poured the blood at the base of the altar and sanctified it, that is the altar, to effect atonement upon it. Sin would be cleansed. He took all the fat which was on the innards and the entrails and the diaphragm with the liver, two kidneys together with their fat. Moses caused them to go up and smoke on the altar 
And the bull, its hide, its flesh, its waist, he burned with fire outside the camp as Yahweh had commanded Moses and he brought near the burnt offering ram. So now there's a, there's a burnt offering ram, a, a, an offering of consecration. I am, by the grace and purpose of God, separated to this purpose and I am thus committed completely to this purpose and that's what a burnt offering is an offering of consecration, an offering of commitment. First comes the sin offering, now the, and then there was purification in that, and now the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons leaned their, heads for, their hands forcefully upon the head of the ram. We are committed. We have come, and I mean, when it says they, they, they didn't just place their hands on something, they just collapsed on that thing. Upon the head of the ram, so now they are they are consecrated and committed and dedicated to the work and thus the burnt offering. He slaughtered it. Moses dashed the blood on the altar around, cut up the ram into its pieces. Moses made the head pieces and the fat go up in smoke. But the entrails, the innards and the legs he washed in water. Moses made the entire ram go up in smoke on the altar. It was a burnt offering and it was a pleasing fragrance a fire offering to Yahweh, as Yahweh had commanded Moses. Now this um, identification with service, this commitment, this consecration is a sweet smelling savor to the Lord. This is, this is an acceptable thing. This is good. And so God accepts the whole thing and it's a it's a pleasing fragrance to him. He brought near the second ram, the ram of the investitures. So whoever I am, what, whatever I do is consecrated and separated to him. Aaron and his sons leaned on their hands forcefully Upon the ram's head, he slaughtered it. Moses took some of the blood placed on the cartilage of Aaron's right ear on the thumb of his right hand, the big toe of his right foot. He brought Aaron's sons forward. Moses placed some of the blood on the cartilage of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, on the big toes of their right feet. Moses dashed the blood on the altar around. Whatever identifies me in what God has called me to do is also consecrated before the Lord. He took the fat, the tail, all the fat which was on the inners, the diaphragm of the liver, two kidneys together with their fat right thigh out of the basket of the unleavened bread therefore was brought before Yahweh. He took one loaf of the unleavened bread, one loaf of the oily bread and one wafer and he placed, it, placed them on the top of the fats and the right thigh and he placed it all on Aaron's palms and on his son's palms and he waved them as a waving before Yahweh. And Moses took them from their hands and made them go up in smoke on the altar with the burnt offering, they were investiture offerings as a pleasing fragrance, a fire offering to Yahweh. So all that I am, all that you give me to do, I do in fellowship and I do in acknowledgement that it comes from you. So take a preacher, for example. He has to understand that whatever he may say, 
begins in his life with a commitment, a separation to preach this sermon, to pray through consecration and within consecration to be worthy and accepted and that as a servant, my commitment is a pleasing fragrance to the Lord and then what I do, the sermon that's preached or whatever, is also a pleasing fragrance to Yahweh. Moses took the breast and waved it as a waving before Yahweh. It belonged to Moses as a portion from the ram of the investitures as Yahweh had commanded Moses. Moses took some of the anointing oil, some of the blood that was on the altar and the sprinkled on Aaron and on his garments, on his sons, on his sons' garments, and he sanctified Aaron and his garments, his sons and his sons' garments with him. And Moses said to Aaron and to his sons, cook the flesh at the entrance of the tent of meeting and eat it there. And the bread that is in the basket of the investiture offerings as I have commanded saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. Whatever's left over from the flesh and the bread, you shall burn in fire. God will provide for you. God will cause those within his great work and within their service to provide for the work. And don't ever think that you can provide or keep some of it over by your own authority or power. You can't do it. It has to come from God for the particular service at the particular time in accord with the will and purpose of God. This is how it works. And you shall not leave the entrance of the tent of meeting for seven days until the day of the completion of your investiture days. He will inaugurate you for seven days. A separation, a time of separation and reflection, separation from the world with an understanding that all that God has called me to do and all that I have committed myself to do before Yahweh is not of me and I cannot be contaminated with thoughts from the world. And so there are times that are necessary for times of, of separation. And in this case, it begins. They begin their very service this way. And he did on this day, as he did on this day, so Yahweh has commanded to do to effect atonement for you. And you shall stay day and night for seven days at the entrance to the tent of meeting. You shall observe a Yahweh's command so that you will not die. Another thing that we don't often think about Serving Yahweh is not just a glorious and wonderful thing, it's also a dangerous thing. We'll see that in Leviticus 10. Humbly, with great focus and purpose of heart, we must depend upon the Lord and follow His Word. We can't take liberties in deciding how we're going to do what God calls us to do. I know God said do it this way. I think I have a little bit better idea. Can't do that. Observe Yahweh's command so that you will not die for thus I was commanded. Well that's that's pretty heavy isn't it? 
And Aaron and his sons did all the things that Yahweh commanded through Moses. Now let's look at this last verse. All the things that Yahweh commanded. Priests have a commander. We are in service to one who is greater than, than, than we are. It is by his command and by his word, his design, his instruction, his direction, his unction, his calling that God does these things. Clothing business when I was in East Gadsden. Back in those days, the driving economic force in the Gadsden area was Goodyear. It hired thousands of people and practically the whole economy in Gadsden depended on Goodyear. May still do that way, I don't know. I'll never forget. And there, was, there were always these strikes. They were always, I mean, it just seemed like they were always going on strike. And so it was kind of like manic depressive living. As long as Goodyear was not on strike, everybody was happy, money was being spent, and the economy was, but then when they went on strike, everybody was depressed. Just, oh no. I remember a time when a strike that they were on extended for many weeks. Management and labor could not come together. And a, and a man came in. A man came into the store. He was, he was needing some clothes and we were talking to him about rough times because of the strike, which directly affected him. And he said this, he said, well, I can always go back to preaching. <laughs> I got to tell you, it ain't that way. <laughs> it's not that way at all. A preacher may think I can always go back. You can't do it. You know why? We have a commander, Yahweh. And the work is done according to his will, by his power, through his direction. It is all of God. And the priests of God are no different. And the priesthood of the believers is no different. We are appointed, called, and anointed, separated, consecrated to some particular work. We are, the Paul writes to the Ephesians, we are saved to good works. Those works are built into our call to be saved. They'll find their way out. Usually, I think Christians don't even realize they're exercising the spiritual gift because it's such a natural part of who they are. But it is all by the design of God, and it is very foolish to ever think, well, I can always go back to preaching. The priesthood designed, anointed, empowered, clothed upon, consecrated, set apart by God and none other. So what we do for the Lord, we cannot do in our own power or by our own design. This is why we walk humbly with God. We stay focused upon his word. We are open 
to the call of God into service, whatever that service may be. And may I say that every Christian in some way is called into service. There's always something that we are equipped divinely to do and are divinely directed and called into that service. Perhaps most of it is invisible to the world, I, I don't know. But it is still the service that God provides through us. Well, we'll stop there and we'll have prayer and pick up there next time. Father God in heaven, thank you for the design of the priesthood, even what it means to us today. And Lord, in our service to you these days, clarify for us the direction and the purpose in our lives that in every way we might please you in Jesus' name. Amen.